Welcome to The Cloaked. We are a collective of inquiring minds seeking answers to mysteries both past and present. Join us on our journey to discover that which remains hidden. And now, on with the show. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bit all over the place. I mean, it's it's definitely one of those um, topics where it, it, like, crosses so many other topics. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I know. I mean, it's just very interesting how it, it does it. And I kind of figured that it would do that um, because as, as soon as I read some of the information and know within the location and kind of obviously why we we found ourselves looking into this place because of you know the missing 411 cases that we recently took up, um, into topic and discussing some of the uh, the locations and and the people who went missing in this area um, this area was already kind of marked for the uh, for that type of you know uh, the type of the scenes and topics because it's already it already crossed a uh, People were seeing UFOs, strange lights in the sky in this area. Uh, there's a Bigfoot sightings, and it already has this legend and lore to the area. Yes, that, I mean it, it's kind of a place where it has a lot of mystery, and so you know it, it's definitely one of those things that I mean it's is interesting overall. I mean it's just a very interesting location. It. Yeah, man, it's, um, I think since what, I think since like when those books were being written like in the 30s, that's when like the actual, um, not, not hysteria, but like kind of the, it garnered a lot of attention, said, from it being just a mountain over to um, being something more paranormal right. related to alien Bigfoot, the, uh, the Lemurians, right? It just, it's, it branched off to a lot of, uh, conversations, right? Yeah. Areas of interest. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and it's and it's interesting that it also like sprung about this uh, this like new age type uh-huh. of religion too, which I was like, what? Um, it, but I mean, yeah. it, but I mean, it, it, again, like as we as we dive into the topic here in a minute, um, it's it's like it it obviously it crosses with the Atlantis, the Atlantinian. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, from Plato as well, and so you know, it's one of those things that that is just it's an avenue that's a, for like so many story. streets. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, so uh, let's just uh, dive in. Um, I am your host, Huerta. Hi, I'm Sai. And uh, if you don't already know, we are already diving into the legend of the Mount Shasta, which uh, covers the people or the. Uh, this uh this group known as the Lemurians, right? It's this again, it's this place that has this lore. You know, if y'all haven't uh you know, we've been talking about this for quite some time, you know, missing four on one cases. Uh the Native Americans had legends for this area. They knew that there was these, you know, this uh civilization of some sort living in the mountains. And, you know, all the tribes nearby were familiar with the stories, were familiar with 
with what potentially they called the Clements people, right? The indigenous uh-huh. people. Uh, Mount Shasta was inhabited by this spirit uh, named Chief Scale, uh, yeah. who, which I'm like, you know, interesting name. He was descended from the heavens into the mountain summit, and he fought this other spirit from below named Lao, I believe. Yeah. And this, uh, he resided in this Mount Mazama. And he would throw these hot rocks of lava, which obviously, because this is, if you don't know where this is, there is a volcano. It's a mountain, but it's also a volcano. So it has the explanation of the locals as to why this would erupt and what would happen as a lot of myths and legends and stories of lore have in order to explain what is happening. And a lot of the times it's about like having to do with the weather or the stars or something like that, right? Or how the eclipse happened or solar eclipse or lunar eclipse. And so a lot of these stories have a bit of a scientific, something scientific occurring. And so overall it's just an, an explanation as to what's happening with uh, with the surroundings right yes but you know as we dive into this uh these stories i mean it just goes deep into a variety of things because the uh, the story behind it i mean which kind of began with uh, i believe it was a zoologist right named philip scatter slater right yeah uh, back in 1864 now he talks about the pangea now that's something that we've covered and talked about before about how you know back then before the continents split up to how they are it was a massive land that was that cluster together named Pangea so everything crossed together and it kind of explains why some of the dinosaurs were certain species were seen in different areas uh, it explained, you know, different, uh, different, uh, different, and other species also for like lemurs, right? I believe that's kind of what, yeah, so what kind of trailed into this. That's a, just specifically lemurs, so the, uh, hence the name Lumeria, right? Right. Uh, this guy Philip, he uh, assumed, right, because he found lemur fossils um, within Madagascar and India. How could that be possible if? He, he presumed that uh, lemurs were um, ri- originated from Madagascar. So finding those two continents uh, with the lemur fossils, he assumed that there was a land bridge right. that at one time existed that they were crossing over to India. Right. Which, I mean, that's not a bad theory for the time. For the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so using that very same theory and idea, uh-huh. we skipped to... Frederick Spencer Oliver, who had a book published, Dweller on Two Planets. Now, the book was actually published by his mom after (laughs) Frederick's death. Now, he claimed, yeah, six years after, that's right. Now, he claimed that they were survivors from this uh, continent called Lumeria in the mountain Shasta. Now, yeah. this is like the what is it's considered the highest peak, right, in California. Yeah, yeah and uh, for sure. Yeah, and so they uh, this uh, 
these people, these survivors, uh, lived in this mountain. Now, there was a, a lot of, you know, uh, people who had supposedly encountered uh, these individuals from this uh, lost continent or whatever. Now, obviously, it kind of already sounds like the lost city of Atlantis, right? Because survivors of a continent that existed. Sure. Now, with the Atlantis, this this uh, this island sunk into the ocean. These people kind of separated into uh, different areas, into different continents. You know, yeah. we've and, and again we've talked about uh, in our episode of Atlantis. Our theories, our multiple theories, of what could have happened if these stories that we are led to believe yeah. uh, is is true. And so with these. Uh, uh, eyewitnesses, there was one in particular, at least for me, I don't know about you, but that stuck out. Now, it was from a British prospector named J.C. Brown. That guy. <laughs> now, this guy claimed that he found an underground city that was 11 miles deep into the mountain. Now, did you read that story, right? I, 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 I This guy in particular intrigues me, right? Because he right. was a retired mining engineer from England. Mm-hmm. And I guess, oh, and then he was uh, given a job assignment over near Mount Shasta. Right. And I guess he said that he found an opening within Mount Shasta. And after he cleared the rubble, he let himself down. I mean, like, God damn, you're going to go down. You know, he, he was in his uh, account that he was curious enough to go down the tunnel. Yeah. And this is where the story begins or where he found you know, gems and gold and, and uh, skeletons ten feet tall. Right. And like all kinds. He found the gold. He found like a, a gold mine, basically. Right. Like and, good stuff. Yeah. He and he found. Um, I think were mummies, right? What's that? And yes. He found yes. mummies in there, and which were ten to ten feet tall mummies. And what's in, now his story is pretty interesting because he started to form a group right an 80 person team 80 people dude Damn. and which is amazing to form a group to go and explore and excavate basically you know what and to just to also preface that a lot of them quit their jobs because they felt that jc brown was had the goods the insight to the lemurians right right he, like he i mean damn like you quit your job because you probably thought that this is going to change our lives. Right. It was I super mean, they, compelling, right? In the, at the right. Time. I mean, they believed him. They yeah. straight up believed him. Now, his story is very interesting. You know, I, I mentioned this to, to you that, you know, it could be a own separate episode because it's, yeah. again, it, he becomes a bit of more than just folklore, right? It, he almost becomes this unknown legend where, you know, he forms this group, he convinces this like 80 plus people yeah. to like quit their job, quit their way of living life. Some of these people sold their own personal stuff yeah. to sold their property and stuff to but. be a part of this team to mm-hmm. go explore this underground city. The day of them launching to go into this underground city, JC Brown is nowhere to be found. Literally MIA. Like he just 
fucking with well, fucking, He never like showed up or you know, and there's and there's also theories on why he didn't um show up. Right. You yeah. Know, but the fact is he didn't he was supposed to show up at John JC Roots house JC one Roots. of the followers and mm-hmm. that's where they were got they were rendezvousing over to um JC Roots house and they waited all day and night for JC yeah. Brown and a lot of them were like what you know what happened like you know is it? nothing yeah i don't know and the other thing is like he supposedly had money right that he had money to basically that this would invest the team to go into this underground city anyways he disappears mm-hmm. nothing ever happens the town was left in in limbo basically to like yeah. you know what happened because after that the town tried to look for him nothing <laughs> you know no. and again like you said there's so many theories behind him uh, of what happened now we skip ahead into 1930s by a guy named guy billard uh, yeah. He reported meeting someone by the name of Saint Germain, supposedly was a descendant or uh, of uh, the Lumerians, right? Yeah, yes. Of the mountain, and right. he then su- went on to find a movement by the name of I Am. Now, this is the I Am movement, which he led over a million followers in the late 1930s until his death now this is insane because this guy said that he was part of this tribe this group of people yes and he convinced hundreds and millions of people to follow him into this new age of believing you know this culture of basically new age because they did believe and a lot of the things that we consider to be new age, right? Yeah. And so, you know, he, many people believe that he came from the people of the Mount Shasta, the Lumerians. And so, again, people believed in this and they created this church of, of the I Am. And so people started believing that, you know, this guy is this an amazing descendant because it was believed that these people could time travel as well. They they could speak with aliens. It was like, you know, they were highly spiritual beings. Right. Highly spiritual. It's about, you know, what the, what it's proposing, right? Yeah. Now, in in your findings, what what else did you find on the, uh, what people basically believe with the Lumerians? Because there is dozens maybe even hundreds of books written on the Lumerians. And there's so much of a wide belief oh, man, of it's who crazy. they are. Well, dude, like, for one, like, that, the book you brought up, A Dweller on Two Planets, right? So the book was proposing that uh, the Lumerians were survivors of Lumeria, which was sunken in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another quirk I have. Like, how, you know, I never got – there's not an explanation on how it sank. Um, there's right. also other theories of um, that it didn't sink, but it, it, it floated away from like the main landmass. But um, right. that one's intriguing to me. Now, there's a variety of history explanations for the Lumerians, right? I, I read one account that they were, they were 
fighting against the Atlanteans. It was a crazy story. And I think the why they were fighting was that um, there were other civilizations less in terms of technology, they, they weren't as advanced. So right. the Lumerians were claiming, no, leave them alone, let them progress um, as they uh, as they do naturally. Right. But, um, the Atlanteans were like, no, 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 we need to conquer them so we can um, help them advance, right? And they didn't like those ideas. It was like a war of ideologies. What they were doing is nuking each other back and forth. Mm-hmm. And that's how supposedly the Lumerian continent was literally destroyed or sunk in because of the war and right. they had to take off over to Mount Shasta. Um, and Mount Shasta is all like, why Mount Shasta? Like maybe they knew that it was a location that they, oh, you know why? Because um, the theory was also that they found Mount Shasta because they thought they were going to protect them from, from the Atlanteans. Mm-hmm. So they made their, they brought over like, I think like 200,000 of them traveled over to Mount Shasta, dug underground and made their civilization. They're like a crystalline city. Right. So that's kind of like one of the, I'm pretty open-minded. I mean, like, you know, if you're at war, then yeah, you move on from a country that's been destroyed. Right. You know, you know so that's kind of one theory that kind of intrigued me. And it kind of explains the, uh, the whole belief with the crystals, you know, the gems. Yes. I mean, you have, um, th- there's the whole thing with the uh, oh, yeah. with certain type of crystals that help healing. And then yes. that kind of like thinking and belief kind of, dives into other things that are kind of current um things like reiki and stuff like that um and and reading people's auras so it kind of dives into that into many different avenues um but the part there was the one story where you talk about where the land kind of floated away into space um that kind of reminds me of uh of a story when I've mentioned this before in one of our other episodes about like aliens uh-huh. and, uh, and tribes and stuff like that. I think it was in the Utah. There's a tribe um, that believed in the turtle, right? There was this turtle yeah. and above was this goddess, right? And she was like the leader of this like alien civilization. And oh, she yeah. controlled uh, this, uh, oh. this mothership, and they would like fly up into the air. Now, this is a belief that the locals and that tribe pretty much believed in. Um, so, you know, Indian it, tribe. yeah, the Indian tribe. Okay. And so it was belief that this giant turtle was a spaceship because mm-hmm. it was so big that it could have taken the entire group of, of these tribes into this, uh, into the ship so you know it kind of reminds me of that because at some point the tribe was in a different location uh-huh. um and they boarded there's a story where they boarded the ship and it took them to outer space and at some point you know they traveled and came back and at that and that's when they were now oh. into like the utah i forget what the tribe was but like the story to me seemed so like in a in a way credible to the different stories of somehow some some of the uh, northern tribes began because there's always this been this belief of like the Mayans whenever they were um, conquered and they all split and divided. Yeah. 
uh, uh, there was this belief that a lot of them went north. Um, okay, yeah. So there's this story coincidentally about a turtle and then oh. migrating up north. So it kind of, in a way, that story, though it may not be true into the fact of realistically a UFO taking them, which, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's hey, possible. Hey, it's I the mean, same you know? idea as what you're getting yeah. like so, these people are from two different um, landmasses. Right. Similar folklore. Right, right? So exactly. It's from a source. Yes. And it kind of tells this story of how they migrated. Right. So it's a, I think it's an interesting story uh, that this, this civilization had. And it just kind of reminded me of this tribe in, in, in North America that had a similar story. Now, we know, um, based on the scientific findings, that a lot of the Mayan groups, uh, that, div- that div- when they were divided, um, they left into Florida, into uh, uh-huh. Georgia and North Carolina. And um, we know this because the way some of those mounds are found and how they're being dug, and some of the pottery contained this the, the Mayan blue powder that's mostly found in Latin America. Really? And so you have what kind of blue powder? It, it's like this, like a, like a paint that they would use on their pottery and stuff. Okay. Um, it's called if you look it up, it's called Mayan blue because yeah. it's very unique. The color is very unique. Um, I, it's one of my favorite colors, but it also re- reminds me of how the Egyptians use their, they have their version of blue and it's yeah. almost similar. And it's interesting that you have these two amazing cultures, these civilizations that use that blue and it's very sacred to them. And, uh, you know, you start seeing this almost like a repetitiveness in other cultures about this particular blue. And so, I mean, that's like a whole other thing. That's like a whole other dive into how interesting similarities in various civilizations, other than the pyramids and stuff that we've talked about before. Yeah, true. Similar gods and stuff like that, and people coming from the sky and stuff. You know, similar stories like the flood, right? It, just, it doesn't have anything right. in the Bible. It's it's in a lot of religions. So you're thinking, you know, that the world was destroyed apparently by a flood. And there's people from different religions have a very similar story. Right. And so, I, you know, there's a point in, in time where I think maybe that's where it was, dude. Like maybe, you know, the Pangaea or Lumeria where we were together because mm-hmm. of the landmass that we were a big civilization. Right, and it and it happened to us at the same time, and as um, the, you know, continents were drifting. Those stories stayed with those people and those land masses. Right, right. You know, that's kind of like what I'm thinking right now is because you know, if you think about it, like you said, you have all these civilizations have a flood story. Yes, everybody has a flood story. Like you look into the Mayans, there's a flood story. You look into the Incas, there's a flood story. Uh, you look into the, in Egypt, you look into, you know, in, in the Greek mythology, you look into, you know, the civilizations over there in India and, 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 and in Asia, they have similar stories to a flood. Um, but if you think about it, if, if something like that were to happen and you share that same story with the Atlantans and you look at the Lemurians 
maybe that's kind of a reason why they headed up to this mountain. Because in their area, Mount Shasta was the high it's the highest peak. Yes. But at the time, as it was starting to flood, maybe that was a landmass to head to because it was so high up True. as as water you know flooded the area, that would have been the place to go. If you were to look at the legend and lore in that kind of a manner, it would make sense that hey, let's go to that high nice peak. Point. Exactly. In a, in, a, in a flood nowadays, you would go to a building that's high up, right? So right. in their terms, the Mount Shasta is the tallest point there in California. So it literally makes sense. Like, we know where it's at. Yeah. You better go to Mount Shasta. Get away from the flood. Exactly. And, like, you only have, if you're in the uh, one of these areas, there's only a few places you can go if you were, if they were located in California, right? I mean, there's uh-huh. not a whole lot of places you can go. Exactly. I think um, California, I mean, it, it's um, prone to getting flooded. You know, a, a lot of conversations have been like, uh, California is going to break away eventually because of the earthquakes and all of that. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a lot of areas that are sunken in, like below sea level there in, in California. So I think Mount Chasta literally the obvious place you would go to yeah but that's a far away place though man you know where you know from madagascar to india you're going all the way to california that's a hell of a that that, i mean it is it's a hell of a travel but you have to think about the terrain how it varies in um in depth right because Uh you have certain areas that are above certain elevation and so that's something, to, if, if a lot of that hadn't changed, I mean, that's a lot to consider as well, because, you know, there's elevations do change, obviously. But if, you, if you're looking at, you know, them as a whole, even, even if, let's say, the civilization lived in the time where Pangea was at the break of splitting, it would have been something catastrophic to the point where it would be one of their biggest stories of how that's something that they witnessed and survived. I imagine like, you know, it it was a, like, you know, what kind of disaster is that man to, to, if it did really sink, you know, what kind of power does it take to sink that large of a landmass, right? If it it did, you know, like, I think it was like a major earthquake. It could have been, you know, maybe an asteroid, you know, there's all kinds of possibilities, but, you know, there's a great force behind sinking in that landmass, right? A great force. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, like the stories of them coming out, you've, I tend to find them interesting um, because if you look at Frederick, the way he wrote the, his book yes. was kind of weird because... He so the story goes is this what 1883? He's only 17 years old at this point. He goes to do a property line at the base of Mashasta for his family. He does a family. Oh property. yeah, that's right. And then the right. next thing we know is that he's doing this like auto control like writing. He's almost possessed. Right. In a way, but like. Um, what's his name? Pylos? 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 
Yes. Like he's doing this auto writing thing. Oh, to, yeah, to um, provide insight on what, uh, provide history on the Lumerians. Lumerians, right. And I, I don't know, like, we don't know his education. We don't, we really don't know a whole lot about um, Frederick Spencer. Uh, other than that, you know, he was 17 at the time when he started writing uh, this book. And, you know, he ended up passing away. Yeah. But, you know, he wrote, a, I don't know if you saw how thick this book is. Yeah. Uh, but he did, for somebody who really wasn't a writer, because it's the only book he wrote. Yeah, he didn't have anything. He wasn't known to write, you know, he wasn't, proli- he wasn't a prolific writer. It was just right. So it's, it's, in, it's even, I think it's even more interesting that he wasn't a writer. He wasn't trying to be a writer. He just started writing this book um, as, you know, uh, Pilos. And he ended up writing this whole story as Pilos telling the story of the Lemurians. So yes. I don't know. What, do you, what, do you, what did you think of that? You- that? No, so now that you bring that up, that is crazy. Now that I think about it, like he only did write one book. And he was doing, I think, like some surveying around Mount Shasta for his family. Uh-huh. Like he was doing like, you know, surveying work or something like that. And he was chosen, the story was that he was chosen by Telos, the Tibetan, to write a book for them in terms of like their history and what happened to them, their origins. Like, and so that's, and what, and this wasn't a guy that was known to, you know, he wanted to, he was like a young man. You know, that's not something, and back in the day, I don't know if it was, like, a, a, a exactly taboo to write something like that, but, like, you're going against a lot of, you know, history and scientific theology, right? Yes. So I don't think he had anything to, he wasn't looking for fame, but I think he literally, if, if it was the case, that he was possessed, right? He was possessed by the, the spirit of Telos, the Tibetan, to write right. this book. And I think that... He was he was he was convinced that he had to write it. Like he had no choice. I think, like he he was writing. It's a big ass book. Um, yeah. I mean, he wrote this giant ass book. Like, but my my thing is, um, do you think everybody else after um, Frederick was also trying to maybe like make a buck out of the story he wrote? And because there was there after after him, there was other people who wrote on the uh, the Lemurians. Yeah, um, I have a few people here, and, and that's a good question, man. I think um, this is before, like the, uh, I think in the 1930s is when like the actual the main hype for the Lemurians were was kind of existing in America, and so I felt like. The, the story's incredible, right? I mean, it's right. a great story, and people are captivated by, by you know, these stories. All oh, a group of Lumerians, this ancient race of people, it once existed, and and their their land was sunken in by a disaster, right? That's going to capture your attention. And to be honest, bro, I think there's some people that will you leverage those hot topics, right? What's mm-hmm. trending? And I think you know, I'm trying to get these people's names here. Um, but, um, yeah, dude, like it's, I, I think, I think there's more stigma with those people writing in the 1930s versus, uh, what's this guy's name? 
um, Spencer Oliver, who, who yeah. um, wrote that book in uh, was it 1899. Um, I think there was, the hype wasn't there yet. So I think his situation's a little bit different because he didn't have anything to leverage on. That's when that shit started was with, with him and mm -hmm. uh, Phillips uh, Slater in 1964. But they were actually proposing theories, right? They weren't, you know, they're trying to explain what was going on between fossils. And then right. this guy comes in with a book. So I think he's in like the initial portion of the hype. Um, you know, bro, sometimes, you know, some people take advantage of it. You know, they may want to make a bug, which kind of, <laughs> if you really believe in that, kind of sucks, man, because I don't feel like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I feel, dude. I think it just sucks. Some people do that. Yeah, I mean, and, and it kind of muddies the water into even yes. believing initially what Frederick wrote. So it kind of, it hurts, um, it hurts the possible credibility of Frederick's writing, and which kind of sucks because um, I know, like you said, um, there was other people that came back after, like Harvey Spencer, um, who wrote uh, a book on the Lemurians kind of like right after. Um, I think that was in 1931. Um, yeah. And he kind of wrote about it and, and that kind of manner where you kind of tend to think where, well, it's kind of discrediting and yes. in a way because the way he wrote, so this guy, right, he wrote like other books where uh, it just seemed like he was plagiarizing, I guess. Now, yeah. I don't know if he really did, but he did write other books where he was accused of plagiarizing from other authors and taking kind of their, their creativeness and then okay. making his own thing. So then you have this, this pattern of other people coming after Frederick, who has this, like, I mean, I haven't read it, but what sounds like this brilliant story of the Lemurians um, with, like, a also almost, like, an, a legend of how he became this person to write this book. And so it adds even more to, to this mystery. It's almost like the, the way I see it, if this was ever to become uh, a movie, uh -huh. I see it where it starts off as this kid, this 17-year-old, trying to do, you know, surveying his property and then writing a book uh, yes. and then becoming, you know, into focus the individual, Telos, recounting his knowledge of the Lemurians, um, which is, again, it's almost like the story that a lot of people don't take it credible because of everything else that follows behind it. And um, it damages the, the whole uh, folklore that's already being built on. Now, yes. uh, did you, I don't know if you, if you deep dived into it, but did you see how, um, how it kind of crossed over into uh, the missing people? I mean, because we obviously we talked about it. Well, and some yeah. of the other cases. I didn't read any story in particular, but like there, there's a lot of 
you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, J.C. Brown, he, he disappeared, right? So that's another thing. Like, we don't know there's theories behind his disappearance. Um, and also, uh, what's it? The Frederick Spencer, dude. He died six years after, right? He was only 17. Right. Like, that's kind of weird to me. And so, you know, what what would you find out about the, the four four world? Well, it, it's one of those things where, I mean, it takes you to different avenues, like I said before. Um, with the Lemarians, people believe that there's this history, right, that uh, they have this history that goes back like 4 million, up to like 4 million BC or something like that. Oh, four, four, yeah, 4 million, 500,000 BC. E yes. And I'm like, well, that's a lot of history, but also where'd you get that information from? Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude, like, that's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, and then the Atlantis thing that you were talking about earlier goes back 25,000 years ago, yes. um, which is like, okay, so where is this all the information? Now, I don't know. Again, like I haven't read the book. It might be coming from Frederick, from his storyline. Um, you know, I didn't, like I said, I didn't go into a whole lot into that, but then it goes into the crystals, um, the communication tools, uh, how they would use these crystals, these like quartz crystals kind of thing, which is interesting because, and whenever we talked about Atlantis, there's always been this storyline about crystals. Now, if, if, if you know anything about modern technology, there is this huge movement about crystals specifically quartz crystals where it's being utilized to store information they're using them for like uh i think it's like like super chips um yes. and so they're being utilized so it kind of gives this like again it goes back to like giving almost this uh, this credit to these crystals and how they're being used and the modern day of healing and this this belief that crystals have this power and it can be used for advanced technology which we are now using and it just for a lot of people it just gives credit to those who believe in the atlantans of their story about crystals and how they use them to form a, a futuristic uh you know, story into their future. So they had this amazing technology civilization that used these crystals to make weapons, to form their... their save information. Yeah, to save information, to do this advanced technology that these crystals were everything to them, that it was utilized pretty much for everything. And so it kind of adds this whole credit to them because of what we know now of True. technology of how it's being used now to the missing 411 supposedly these civilization is they still live in the mountain yeah they right. once in a while this is a, a theory that i kind of developed and reading about missing 411 oh yeah and i was reading carl's landers there's people that are missing. Right. Oh, yeah, dude, we were talking about this guy. Yes. Uh -huh. And, and we, I was thinking, well, you know, there's people like, well, 
More. There's footprints of where he was, and then all of a sudden he's gone. And sure, the yeah. common thing that was being said was it was like he was swallowed from the earth. Like the yeah, earth the opened up and swallowed him. So my thinking, and this kind of is kind of, you know, my theory yeah. and what I've read oh, no. about some of the missing people suddenly disappearing is what if they're being taken by the Lemurians from the earth swallowing them almost why you ask yeah. well <laughs> if if it's why? the same and let's say there's a group of people right a certain yes. amount of group of people living in in the underground as a offshore you know cut off from everybody else the gene pool can only mix so much. Oh, I see. So in order to, for them to continuing on, they have to bring in other people from the outside. To mix it up. To mix up the gene pool. So it's not, wow. so it's, they're not, you know. What do you call that shit? Um, incest. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, exactly. Yes, yeah, dude. I mean, eventually they're going to, they're, you're, just a bunch of families, you know, together, right? Eventually, mm -hmm. you're going to need to reproduce as a right. species, right? And so their, your theory holds a lot of weight. Um, I, I, I wonder if that's the case. What do they do with these people after the fact? They must have, if they're looking for a gene pool, they mm -hmm. must be really intelligent. Right. And savvy to, to capture these people and to extract the DNA that they need. Right. So I'm wondering, do they do experiments? You know, that's a good question. Like, if they do actually get abducted in that way, yeah. Are they I mean, benevolent? Are they like, you know, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's there was this other theory that they have involved, and because the way now this goes back to what I was just saying about the gene pool. What if they started involving them in such a way that they become almost almost like monsters, right? For the lack of a better word, that they turn into cannibalism and the people that are missing, they're being eaten. And that's a whole darker like theory. Yeah, so, right? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a, it's yeah, a more man, darker man. theory. I like your gene pool theory more. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that would make sense now. It could be because I don't, um, we don't really know if these, these right. do exist, right? We don't really know who they are. They don't, we don't know if... They're an ancient race from outer space. They could have came from Mars, and then they, mm -hmm. they settled in Lemuria, and Lemuria got, you know, destroyed, and now they're Mount Shasta. We don't really know what their intentions are, and those theories, you know, they can't be thrown away, right? Right. Um, I mean, they, it, it explains or fills in a gap of uncertainty with these beings. Um, and that's a good one, dude. I think I really like the first one is... Eventually, they need they need new resources, new human resources of DNA, and I think. But mm -hmm. poor Carl Landers, bro, he never. I mean, he was never found. I mean, he he was feeling sick. Um, his group kind of let him go ahead because he was going to uh, an area where it was populated. There was a park ranger stationed there as well, and. He wasn't gonna be alone, and he wasn't that far from. 30, like, was he went thirty minutes ahead, right? I remember. Yeah, it was something like that. And, and he's an old man, like, you know, you're not gonna get that far. 
Right. You're not going to get that far, and there's not a whole lot of places you can hide either. And so what happened to him? You know, there's all these mysteries of people disappearing within the area, and nobody really believes um, that they just, you know, just got disoriented and just, like, wandered off. Because, again, it goes back to no tracks were found. There was no scent. Um, none of the yes. dogs could, could find uh, yeah, landers. The, uh, there was no heat signatures. There, again, it goes back to there was no prints. No, no, nobody found any footprints. Nobody found any equipment. He didn't take off any of his clothes. Um, you know, he didn't, like, start dropping off, you know, again, equipment or anything that he was carrying. So where did he go? Because it was only a, it was a straight shoot. There was no it, way he could derail. Yeah, it wasn't like literally on a peak of a mountain and if you're like teeter-tottering. Right. Take a wrong step, you're going to go down, right? And the terrain, they were explaining that the terrain wasn't like covered with... They had trees, but you could see the horizon. You can see in front of you for a good while. Right, you exactly. You to see um, Carl, even yeah. 30 minutes. I mean, he may have been, oh, uh, you know, maybe like a mile mm-hmm. away, but you can see somebody from a mile away, especially in the open. Exactly. So there again, it goes back to the, where the fuck did these people go? You know, to, especially in this area where, um, again, like I said in the beginning, aliens have been seen, or you know, at least UFOs or identifying flying objects. Um, people have supposedly seen Bigfoot wandering around. Yeah, um, yeah. And again, I think I believe this area has the third thing that we always talk about, besides the fourth, when it comes to missing four hundred one people a cave system oh yes the mining and 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 mine so you have a cave system you have ufos you have bigfoot and then now you have this fourth thing missing four on one so it goes back to our, our another theory that we've had whenever we talked about aliens bigfoot and missing four on one it's all the same uh, thing they're right honest. It's right. all the same fucking situation. Yes. When you layer these maps over on top of each other, what are the odds of this pl- of these places having cave systems, Bigfoot sightings, and UFOs? And then they always have coincidentally a missing 411 case where no one knows what happened to the individual. Damn. Yeah. Um, it, it's... And supposedly there's caves 11 miles down, right? Yeah. So in the Mount Chasta, dude, I mean, there could be anything down it's a, there. Yeah, it's a massive cave system. And we know that there's cave systems that are ridiculously huge where people can go and hide. You know, if you if you watch the National Geographic or the Discovery Channel, um, any of those, or even the Travel Channel, you would know that there's cave systems throughout the U.S. and throughout other places as well. Um, that are just miles and miles of, of unknown terrain. Uh, so what are, you, what are your closing thoughts on this uh, Lemurians? Well, you know what, dude? I, I wanted to bring up something, but we, we got to... Uh, we're speaking about, um, you know, Bigfoot and all that. Go ahead, go ahead. I wanted, yeah, but before we go, I wanted to bring up, you know, you know how the Lemurians are associated with crystal technology, crystal healing. Right. It gives credence... That, that may seem true now because we see that crystals um, in modern day technology work, right? We use them for, for our own technology. We use them for data space. 
what about the crystal skulls? The story of the crystal skulls, right? The story was that he brought them all together, that it would provide a great knowledge. Right. And um, maybe that somehow the Lemurians are associated with the crystal skulls in a way because of how they are known to use crystal technology. So I, that's something I wanted to maybe bring up. But I mean, it's, it's definitely something that, that's worth looking into because we've talked about i believe the crystal the crystal skulls i mean we talked yeah. about how you know they do hide or have this like energy frequency yeah they have some weird kind of pool they've been uh they've been or have had scientific studies on these skulls because you know even i think they even done like pictures where they're taking pictures of the aura yeah, of the skull um they've done so many i mean there's there's documentaries yeah. on the on the crystal yeah. skulls that's a whole different show yeah because even people who have who have you know been in the same room said that there's a uh an energy shift yeah. uh some some people people who have touched a crystal skull have claimed to have been healed in a way that they feel better Emotionally, emotionally spiritually yeah, spiritually healing. Yes. Um, and some people have said that they've been in the room for hours with this crystal uh, skull, that they've had dreams that oh, of, wow. of things that they've never seen before. And it kind of so, were, so, and, and not to, do, to go off topic, but some of these people who have claimed to be in the same room, who have spent time with the crystal skulls, have had almost this um, astral projecting, uh, astral projecting dreams of them leaving their body and going somewhere else. So I don't know if it's in consequences of being in, in, in the room with the skull or meeting the crystal skull or touching the crystal skull. Any of these things could have a numerous uh, experiences with these crystals. Yes. And the fact that just a lot of people believe that these crystal skulls um, are healing and the fact that we scientifically know with technology that they can hold a vast amount of information. I mean, if you can imagine if you put information into a crystal and you tell this crystal, hey, um, you, this crystal will heal people emotionally and will restore, I don't know, their breathing or this crystal is going to uh, restore their mental health or this crystal is going to restore their memory or this crystal yeah. is going to help people with their heart. If you load up a, a crystal with specific intent and energy, will this, you know, crystal do that? Will this crystal help somebody heal themselves in a more profound and in depth kind of way so it's one of those things where you know very curious and, and it kind of crosses not to go too far again yeah like when we talk about intent you know the uh oh. of nautica i was just thinking the same thing bro it's getting weird now. <laughs> this intent kind of a thing but so i think this, it's real intent i think uh i think yeah i think what the crystals makes more sense right if, if you it's capturing, it's kind of listening to your body, like mm -hmm. the crystal, right? The, the crystal, the crystals in general, I think right. they know exactly what's 
um, ailing you. And I think for, it focuses energy. I don't know what type of energy, I think, but, but the energy that responds to our body. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what, I think it's true. Maybe that's something I need to try. I mean, we bring it back a story or two. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> your, your thoughts on the Lemurians real or not? Um, I think, I think there's, there's a possibility that they are real now. That's kind of a weird question to me because I, I, I'm only going based on anecdotes and, and stories and books. But I, mm-hmm. like, I like to keep an open mind. And with some of the stories, especially like the missing 411 and the crystal technology, I think there's just too much evidence just to automatically uh, doubt that there's no Lemurians. I think there's enough for me to say that, yeah, it, it could be true. Mm-hmm. I think I'm leaning more towards that is with what I've right. read and, and, and the information out there. I think the world's not black and white. I, and what I mean by that is there's different layers of history and, and, and beings and, and all kinds of stuff that we don't really get to know unless we have an open mind about it. And I think that's to- the approach I take with the Lemurians. Right. They may be out there, but they're, but like, like aliens themselves, they cloak themselves. They, they don't like to be seen. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, you know, what could be the way that they're taking these uh, people who have gone missing. You know, if you think yeah. about it, you know, we've talked about and, and I've talked about this in other missing 401 cases of this, that club technology of, you know, maybe it being one of those things where they're maybe using this kind of, uh, you know, technology uh, for them to kind of like, you know, move about in a way that they um, can go from area to area and not be seen. I've talked about, you know, some of the other cases where uh, I think it was uh, the case where the crossbow hunter, um, I forget the, uh, the name of the, uh, of the, of the hunter who found, who took that picture. I remember you, yeah, I remember that. Um, uh, he, she was married to that, uh, the physicist. Yeah. And so I previously talked about this in, in the last episode, but like, it's one of those things where maybe they have this technology, you know, maybe they have this thing, this cloaking mechanism. Here's the other thing that kind of, it's a little bit off to my, to the theories. Now I, I, I tend to agree with what you said, but there's this thing that we didn't mention is that there's a belief that the Marians are crossbred with animals or have this animalistic quality and so i was thinking this animalistic quality what if it's become so advanced in a way that they've become more animal than human or at least appear to be more animal than human that they've become this creature that we now know as bigfoot now if they have this technology of them cloaking what if they are cloaking themselves and then taking these people from these areas? I mean, that's a theory. I mean, it's far-fetched, but it's a theory nonetheless. Um, also, if, if we are to believe that the Lemurians are, you know, something that is true based on the story of Frederick, his initial story, um, if we take that as fact, then we also must take the story of the Atlantans 
as fact or as I a possibility, so right? Yeah, um, dude, they're similar stories, man. It, it's right. the same thing almost. Yes. So we have this dilemma of a seesaw effect where you can't just take one and, and then say the other one's fake. You have to have this balance of if they're both That's right. the and same, true. Right, exactly. Uh, so you can't, they're, these stories are now kind of entwined together. Um, so I don't know. It's, it, it, I think time will tell, of course, as as uh, as always. Um, one day we'll find more information, or have more information, or be able to obtain more information. But I think, uh, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and read Frederick's book and see what okay. see what he wrote, and then I think uh, maybe in a couple of episodes I'll I'll give you guys an update. <laughs> that sounds good, bro. I think that's good. Yeah. Uh, again, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, click subscribe, tell your friends, like, comment on iTunes, tell us how we're doing. And of course, as always, we'll catch you on the next episode. Laters. <laughs>